my winner and loser. Winner, Todd Downing. Loser, Todd Downing. Let me explain. So, so Todd Downing. Welcome into the Hot Read Podcast. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, Director of Published Content and Senior Titans Contributor at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network. JT, happy Sunday evening. Producer JT, back with us, back with a voice. How are you? I'm good. How great. about you? Oh, I'm great. I'm great. I've got a lot of energy um, coming off of the, the day. I actually, I think I'm hitting my second wind right now because I was really kind of gassed when I came home from the game, got done in the press box and came home around seven, was really hungry, just finished dinner. And now I, I can feel that food hitting my system and I've got some energy, which is great because we've got a lot to get into today on the show talking about the Titans win. It's Victory Monday here on the Hot Read Podcast. This show is for Monday, the 26th of September, by the way. September flew by October knocking on the door here, which in terms of weather, I'm all for it, baby. But terrifying because on a personal front, October, I will not leave this month of October. Uh a single man. I will be a married person by the end of this month, which is weird and wild. And I don't think it's hit me quite yet, but I'm officially like at the month mark. Um, just like a way too early announcement. The the week of our honeymoon, it'll be JT and a special guest host that week. So you'll get two episodes of who knows what we'll figure it out by then. We got a month figured out. A month is a ton of time, right? JT? Like it that's is. so much time. We totally just didn't say that a month flew by. We got so much time now. <laughs> a month just flew by, but also we got so much time. So much time. So much time. Yeah. So um, enough, enough uh, chit chat. Let's talk about the Titans who did, in fact, get their first win of the season today over the Raiders uh, today. We're recording this on Sunday night, of, of course, uh, but you're listening, hopefully on Monday morning. So the Titans won um, by a lot, but then not by a lot. By, by a little, barely at the end, which is kind of the crux of what I want to talk about today. After the the uh, game, I wrote an article, uh, winners and losers article on the game, talking about some of the things that were good and some of the things that were bad for the Titans in their first win of the year. Had three of each, and I kind of am going to use that as a guide for what I want to talk about today, but not, not going to read it verbatim or anything just want to discuss some of these topics because these are the biggest takeaways from the game. Um, if you read the article, which I totally recommend you do, it's called Winners and Losers from the Titans 24-22 victory over the Raiders. Go over to broadwaysportsmedia.com and check it out. My winner and loser uh, at the top of the article, the first two. Winner, Todd Downing. Loser, Todd Downing. Let me explain. So, <laughs> so Todd Downing, um, it, this game was really reminiscent of the Giants game in week one for the Titans, where at halftime I'm sitting there. I usually tweet out just a, a mock-up of, you know, what was really great, what was good, what was bad, what was awful so far in the half, just kind of a halftime report from my perspective. And I was sitting in the press box struggling to think of a ton of negatives. All I could really come up with was the defense was pretty meh and the pass rush was bad, but both of those things could be explained just due to the personnel issues that they are currently experiencing, or at least I think. Um, and so Todd Downing had a fantastic first half. I mean, really, really good. It, it, all joking aside, I, I accidentally, not accidentally, called him Todd Kelly in one of my tweets um, because I do think that Tim Kelly is is doing a lot of the good things. But Teron Davenport of ESPN makes a good point, and I think this is like fair and honest, completely fair. Todd Downing is currently in a lose-lose situation just because if he does something good, we give the credit to Tim Kelly. And if he does something bad, we give him all the blame. That's not fair. If we're being completely fair and even and honest about the offensive coordination situation that the Titans are in right now, I'm sure it's a mix. Now, do I believe that Tim Kelly is responsible for a lot of the good things that we're seeing? Yes. Do I believe that Todd Downing didn't over the summer go from, probably the worst opening scripted drive play caller in the NFL to maybe the best in the NFL. Do I believe that that's probably Tim Kelly's influence on the, the scripting of the opening drives of the game? Yeah, absolutely. I do. And I 
again, I mentioned this last week. I have an article on that that I'm still working on that I swear I'm going to get out this week. I hope it's just, there's no time. Um, but Todd Downing is still ultimately the one calling the plays and whether or not he has help and from whom during the week on the scripted plays is beside the point. He had a really great opening drive and then he followed it up the entire first half. The Titans were really fantastic. They scored on four of their five drives in the first half. They got three touchdowns. The first three drives resulted in touchdowns. They looked like a competitor in the AFC. And I tweeted as much after the game that this Titans team that played in the first half is a, is a legitimate competitor in the AFC The Titans team that played in the second half is, is plainly and clearly not. And we'll talk about that a little bit more here in a second, but Downey had a really great start and I, I liked what he was doing. It looked a lot different from, well, it didn't look a lot different from the perspective of looking at the other opening drives in the first two games, but it did look different in terms of, what did he do after that? Because that's been the big question with him, right? Todd Downing, so far this year, great opening drive, scripted drive. Second drive, pretty good as well. But then it goes downhill really fast, and it gets stagnant really fast. That didn't happen against the Raiders. The Titans didn't look stagnant until the third quarter. And so what Todd Downing was doing all through the first half was a lot of mixing up um, utilizing you know a wide array of, of Titans playmakers. The general play calling, I thought, was, was improved just from a 10,000-foot view. The number of times you felt the urge to just yell, what are you thinking at the sideline over a play calling decision? That was diminished significantly. That only happened a handful of times in the game and rarely, if ever, in that first half. He did a good job, I think, playing to the strengths of the team and making... I mean, really making chicken salad out of chicken, you know what, with the pieces that he had at his disposal today, which, you know, was pretty limited. Um, The offensive line is not in great shape, to say the very least. The Titans were missing Kyle Phillips, a a pretty significant threat in the passing game. Um, There were some pieces that he probably wished he had that he didn't. And I think he made the best with what he was working with, made the best of what he was working with. Um, And, and, even the things that were weaknesses, like I think the offensive line was a definitive weakness in today's offense for the Titans. He he made sure to make their job as easy as possible with his play calling. He was focusing primarily on having them run the ball, and when they did have to do any pass protection, he was asking Ryan Tannehill to get the ball out quickly, and Tannehill did a very good job of that. Um So that's the good news on Todd Downing. The bad news on Todd Downing is that he did have to coach two more quarters of the game after the first half. And they just didn't go very well. It looked like we saw the Todd Downing that we'd grown to hate over the past couple of weeks. He just, I'm sorry, he can't, he can't rest on his first half laurels. This performance, the first half was great, but you you, you can't, he, he doesn't, have enough equity in that first half for us to ignore what happened in the second half. And granted, it's not entirely his fault. In the second half, the Titans had a number of penalty issues, which have kind of been a common theme so far this year. And it's interesting because Mike Vrabel historically has a very disciplined team. They've not been super disciplined so far. And in the second half, a lack of discipline had them behind the sticks a number of times and kind of killed drives. There was also some sloppy execution um you know poor execution no matter the play call is going to lead to inefficiency so those those things existed it wasn't entirely downing's fault but ultimately it's his responsibility to adjust and coax production out of his side of the ball in the most crucial half of the game in the second half when the game is won and lost and and you know put simply the the play calling just ultimately it grew far too conservative and, and that was the, the primary issue that I think he was dealing with. The play calling got super conservative. The Titans were doing a lot of running on second and long, running on first down, which they did a good job of mixing that. We, we, we always rip the Titans for how predictable they are with their first down run rate. They did a good job of mixing in different plays on first down in the first half, but in the second, they were running the ball too often in, in bad circumstances and in predictable circumstances. 
They also were clearly not trying to push the ball down the field anymore in the passing game. I don't know what led to the decision to not want to do that anymore, but that's what happened. So in terms of being able to get his team to get up on the offensive side of the ball and perform and finish strong, that's the ultimate issue with this Titans team right now. Like I said, the second half team that they were today is a team that at the very best is a first round exit in the playoffs again. And at the very worst, I mean, listen, if they, if they played every game, like they played in the second half today, they're drafting incredibly high come 2023. So this team, they're kind of batting goose egg when it comes to finishing strong. And, and especially when they're up on an opponent, I've talked before at length about how this team is very bad as a front runner. And this is the primary reason they refuse to to put their foot on the neck of a team when they have them down. They won't do it. And part of that is in, in large part due to the play calling. Now, another winner that I had from this game was a couple of guys kind of coming back from the grave, not literally back from the grave, back from injury, and one in particular coming back from the narrative grave a little bit. Derrick Henry, I'm here to tell you, the reported demise of King Henry, greatly exaggerated. Okay, he's he's kind of right on schedule as we've been saying now for three weeks we, we've been hammering this home on this show and if you listen to the show which if you're listening to this you listen to the show dumb thing to say easton um you know that we've not expected more from derrick henry in these first two weeks than historically it's reasonable to expect and so we've talked about how he's right on schedule and today he had his breakout game of the year his best game offensively by a mile since before he injured his foot last season. He had a big day in both the running game and the rushing game, which was surprising. I was talking to JT earlier this afternoon about how when we make our community parlays each week, which we'll talk more about later, bad beat today, fellas. Sorry, that's on me. We'll discuss it in a bit. When we make those, the the Derrick Henry receiving yards and total receptions, those are back on the table because he was their primary receiver in terms of receptions today. He led the team in receptions, not in yards, but he was targeted uh, or at least caught the ball the most of the team. I'd have to check on the targets. He ended up having five passes come his way that he caught and turned that into 58 yards, 11.6 average yards per catch. And then on the rushing end, 85 yards on 20 carries, which is good for 4.3 yards per carry, which is a, a good clip and 143 all-purpose yards on the day. That's, again, his best since the first half of 2021. If you go back and, and if you read the article, the winners and losers, losers article that I wrote today, you'll you'll find the tweet of mine from, I believe, last week when we were talking about this with Derrick Henry and, and what his expectations are. All the stats I have in that tweet about him year by year in week one versus the rest of the year, how his efficiency goes up precipitously, how Derrick Henry gets better later in the year. All of that stuff, he's right on schedule statistically. And just with the eye test, he clearly looked like a better player today. You could tell that he was running with you know more tenacity, more better vision. It's the best we've seen in both of those departments. He looked hard to tackle today. He rarely went down on first contact. He was running through guys, running over guys, making guys miss, <clears throat> making up for not the greatest offensive line situation. He had a good day, very good day. And that's we know this is how Henry operates. We know it is. He begins slow each and every year, and then he grows stronger as the season goes on. So with each passing year, the premature panic begins earlier and earlier. I'm just, I'm here to tell you, relax. He's back. Derrick Henry is not dead yet. And speaking of not dead yet, Robert Woods coming off. Now, I'm not sure anybody expected him to be dead necessarily. The the reported demise with him was was not nearly as great as with Henry, but with Woods coming off of a late season ACL tear, it in hindsight was pretty reasonable, I think, to expect him to take a little bit of time to get up to speed, considering he's new with the team. He's coming off of a significant injury that happened later in the season. He's ahead of schedule in terms of what a lot of guys go through with this kind of injury and how they come back. He had a really good day today. He was the Titans leading receiver in terms of uh, total yards. He had 85 yards on four receptions. You know, with with Traylon Burks being brought along slowly by this coaching staff, which you can tell that they're intentionally doing, they're intentionally bringing him along slowly. It's the same thing they did with A.J. Brown. 
it's going to just take time and they want it to take time. And that's by design, whether that's fair or not, whether that's right or not, rather is, you know, up to you and, and up for debate, but it is what they're doing on purpose. And in the meantime, while they're getting him up to speed, Woods needs to be the wide receiver for this team. Like he was today in week three, that that was a, a good performance. That was the kind of performance they need from him in order to be a competitive team in the, in the deep AFC. Now, you know what? This loser, I'm going to come back to this one last because I really want to I want to hit home on this one. I'll go ahead and skip to the the third and final winner I had on the day. The red zone defense today was fantastic, and it was ultimately the reason that the team won the game. When Mike Vrabel decided to punt on fourth and one around their own 40 yard line, if my memory serves me, it, I, I jotted it down at the time. As if they ended up losing this game, this would be an inflection point that we need to look back at and question. But Mike Vrabel in that moment was clearly betting on his defense and not just on his defense, but specifically betting on his red zone defense, which had been so great so far in the day. And ultimately, while they allowed that final touchdown, they ultimately paid off that bet and delivered, keeping the Raiders from converting their two down their their two point conversion and and tying the game up. Um so that was that was kind of what stuck out to me in in that regard. The red zone defense was great and it needed to be because other than in the red zone the Titans defense today was really uninspiring. They were letting the Raiders move up and down the field pretty much at will. And that works. It's kind of a Tennessee staple. Anybody that's been a Tennessee fan for a while, it's a favorite of the Tennessee teams and Fran and the franchise for fans, this, this style of Ben don't break defense that they love to run. It's in complete. It's just completely unnerving. It's really frustrating might be the wrong word, but it's just, it's scary. If you're a fan watching your team run a Ben don't break style of defense like that, but if it's executed properly, it's incredibly effective. And the Titans did that today on six trips to the red zone for the Raiders they allowed just two touchdowns, forced three field goals, and got an interception with their backs up against the wall. That's a winning formula on defense. And ultimately, if if you don't think you have the personnel to make a significant impact, you know, between the between the twenties, between the thirties, and you need to just keep the team in front of you and and eliminate explosive plays, which is the basic game plan that the Titans are currently running based on their significant defensive personnel issues they have at the moment. That's fine, but you have to be stout in the red zone. And they, and they were that today. Now along that same line, a loser from today's game is the defensive depth. There were already big issues with the depth on the defensive side of the ball coming into this game. The Titans have been plagued with injury issues ever since the beginning of last year. It has not let up at all so far this year. That's a discussion We'll get into another time. I don't want to get into it now, but their injury situation is is not great, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They avoided any significant, big, concerning major injuries today, which is good. But there were some key players that ended up getting banged up inside linebackers at Cunningham left the game in the first half with an elbow injury was questionable and didn't end up returning. I don't believe uh, star defensive lineman Danico Autry came off the field at one point holding his hand wrist area. I tweeted at the time that, that he had done. So it was right after Zach Cunningham came out off holding his arm as well. And Autry ended up coming back into the game. I didn't get a chance to speak with him after the game. I tried. He, he was busy and, and got out quickly. Um, he didn't seem to be wearing any brace on his wrist. He seemed to be just watching him interact in the locker room seemed to be fine. So that's good, but you can't afford, you cannot afford him or Jeffrey Simmons getting banged up and missing time. Star cornerback Christian Fulton, who was on the injury report pretty much since the beginning of the season. he's He's been on there um, since the first game. He was missed in just the worst way last week, obviously, with the Stephon Diggs snafu. Um, and he he had a, I mean, he the good news is he had a fantastic game. He was really, really great in his return. He had this one sequence when he went back to back with these tackles for loss. Not only was it a great sequence, for anybody, it was great for him because one of his primary issues in his career has been his inability to tackle. And these were two really great form tackles that ended up being tackles for loss. And so he played a great game. But at the very end of the game on the last drive, 
he was being tended to by the training staff and it cost the Titans their last time out when the Raiders were about to score and, and were threatening to tie the game up. So his health looks to remain a question for the foreseeable future, which is not great considering the cornerback situation that the Titans have, which is a disaster. We're about to get to that here in just a second. But but to wrap up on the injury front, the Titans already have very scary depth situations at both cornerback and at linebacker. So much so that they really can't afford to lose any other starter or player that is contributing, you know, quality snaps. They can't afford to lose any more. They're they're already razor thin and don't have much depth to even rotate. Their week six bye, which is coming up, reminder, by the way, Titans had an incredibly late bye last year. They have an incredibly early bye this year. When the season schedule came out, I remember doing the solo schedule review podcast on this feed back in May or whenever it came out, talking about how that felt like a tough break, getting that week six bye. Really early in the season, you, you prefer to have it in the back end of the season when you're really banged up, but it's the way the cookie crumbles. It, it looked like it was a, a bad break for them, but now it kind of looks like it's really needed. This team is going to need to get healthy. I think that, you know, they, they made do today, and that was great. As a credit to the personnel and the coaching staff and all of that, but they have to get some of these key guys healthy and back and reliably back. And so it, it may end up being needed and it may be a good thing is ultimately, ultimately my point. The last thing that I want to talk about before we get to JT with the news, my third and final loser was Caleb Farley and Terrence Mitchell. Now this one, it's not as significant a topic or an issue, I think, as the broader issue that we mentioned with the Titans not being able to finish games. That's the ultimately, ultimately, that's the biggest thing for them. You have to finish games in order to win games. So that's a huge deal. But not, you know, zooming in, not on that macro level, the ugliest issue today for them was this topic. The Titans decided to start their newly acquired cornerback, Terrence Mitchell, today over second-year cornerback Caleb Farley. Now, Mitchell, you'll remember, if you paid attention at all this past week, he joined the team from the Patriots practice squad on Wednesday, as in this past Wednesday, as in less than a week ago Wednesday. And he got the nod to start over the Titans' second-round, former first-round draft pick, second-year former first-round draft pick, Caleb Farley. And not only did he get the start over him, when the dust settled, Mitchell had 48 snaps to Farley's one. So there were three parties involved in this situation, and it's brutal for all three. For Farley, it's a scathing indictment of what the coaching staff thinks of him at this point. I mean, his his very high ceiling of potential has not even remotely come close to being reached and not only has it not been reached it's a real question at this point whether it ever will so the fact that he can't get on the field over a practice squad corner that brought in from another team midweek it's embarrassing it's embarrassing for him he seemed to be in high spirits in the locker room after the game but but it's embarrassing now for mitchell I mean, his Titans debut was just an unmitigated disaster. He was the one primarily responsible for Raiders wide receiver, Mac Hollins, who had a monster day. He had eight receptions for 158 yards and a touchdown went nuclear. Now, if you're asking yourself, Hey, who's Mac Hollins? You're not alone. I didn't, he wasn't on my radar before this game. He's fine. He's trending in the right direction, but He's not a eight reception, 160 yard and scoring touchdowns guy. He's a wide receiver three. So Mitchell was horrible, plain and simple. And he was the cornerback responsible for most of the things that went wrong in the Titans secondary today. He should not be playing meaningful snaps for this team or any team really, especially, especially in front of that team's former first-round draft pick. Now, the third party involved is the coaching staff. What were they thinking? What were they thinking? It's incredibly hard to imagine 
that Caleb Farley would have been any worse than Mitchell was. And Farley has infinitely more upside. There's no doubt about that. How poorly must they think of Farley to have made this decision? And not only that, even so, even even despite their, their clearly very low opinion of him, what were they thinking when they made that decision? Farley could not have been worse. Could not have been worse than Terrence Marshall today. And yet they gave him one snap on defense. Bizarre, confusing, confounding, ridiculous. That's all I have to say on that front. And I don't mean to end on such a negative point after a monologue about a Titans win. They ultimately won the game. Titans fans should be happy. They should be happy that they saw a complete half today of a team that absolutely can compete in the AFC. Not just the South, but in the entire conference. If they can get that team to show up each and every week and get that team to play in the second half of games, which we're yet to see, they're going to be a real contender. So with that, JT, let's get into the news. Before we get into the news today, let's talk about our best bet gauntlet from this previous day of good old football. Currently, yeah. as the standings hold right now, I will be going 3-1, and one, possibly 4-1 and one on the day if this nail biter of a game holds currently we're recording this when it is seven to five seven in to the five 49ers yeah. broncos game so we'll see and that'll take me to i believe six and nine correct yes you're at five and nine if this game holds you'll be six and nine on the year nice um i went two two and one on the day tough tough day got out didn't end up dropping a game which is good um the the Texans pushed. They had a bad game. That was frustrating. They could have won. Shout out to my lock of the week, the Falcons, for pulling it out. Never in doubt. Uh, <laughs> if you watch that game, that's not true. Um, and the Titans pulled it out. Finally, I bet the Titans three weeks in a row because I feel obligated that one of us bets the Titans game. Third time's this, the charm. Third time's the charm in in this show. And, and we did, and I did, and I got it the third time. So, uh their two teams are dead to me and i won't be betting them again forever <laughs> by forever i mean maybe next week we'll see the but thing that, that brings yeah. that brings me on the year just real quick to eight six and one and so you could uh you could finish at six and nine i guess one and a half games back for, of the lead which is a significant gap closer there um so excited i'm already excited for week four this is getting fun me too i knew i was gonna i knew i was gonna make some progress this week the thing i want to know though I mean, if you saw the stats this week, it was like 95% of the money on the one that I'm losing currently this week on the Chiefs game. Like 95% of the money was on that five and a half line of the Chiefs mm -hmm. there. Yeah. And even though they didn't, like everybody was saying, what does Vegas know? What does Vegas know? Did Vegas like just pay off Sky Moore to like muff two punts? Is that what <laughs> Vegas knew? Yes. Because I'm still no, just- No, I mean, that's the only explanation. Yeah. I'm still just like kind of confused about that game. And we'll get into that in a little bit. Sorry about but, that one. Yeah. You know, we'll move on. Currently, well, and hang on before we get into oh, the yes. news, I forgot our uh, our community parlay. Yes. So this, we got so close, guys. If you remember our community parlay, four legs, like plus three sixty or something like that. It was Derrick Henry touchdown, easy cash got early. It. Check. Each team over one and a half touchdowns. It took Check. it to the very last second. It did. The Raiders, but we did get that. And then we had Derek Carr over 250-ish passing yards. He got to nearly 300. That yeah, I think cashed. he was like 303. Yeah, so that cashed easy. And then, and you don't know this because you don't, I didn't put this on Twitter or anything, but I texted JT on Friday, I think it was, about this game saying, I don't know if our community probably is going to hit. No idea. But the one leg I'm super confident in is Darren Waller over 49 and a half yards. And it's the one leg that didn't hit today. Now, he had 22 yards receiving. And if you remember back in the game yesterday, you're listening on Monday, there were two plays in which he had 30-plus yard receptions that would have put him over, and it would have cashed. Both of which just barely didn't happen. The first, he was wide open, streaking up the left-hand side of the field, going towards the south end zone, Waller is is wide open, got behind, I forget which DB, maybe a linebacker, had all the space in the world to work, and Carr overthrew him. That was frustrating. 
Then he had a big completion that was the contested catch across the middle of the field that was a deep pass. It was 25, 30 yards, I believe. And that one was great. And then he got called back for holding. So twice he had this cash, twice we had the parlay hit, and it was called back. Very frustrating. Sorry, but we're we're going to hit a couple of these this year. That is we're, gonna, we're, we're getting guarantee. we're getting better. We're getting, getting better. better, and we're going to hit a couple of them, and it's going to pay off. I can't promise, but I almost promise. <laughs> All right, let's, let's get into close. the news. Let's get into the news, and let's talk mostly. I know we talked a lot about the offense in your monologue section, but let's talk about some good things on the defensive side of the ball, something that through three weeks this week in this win over the Raiders, the Titans are holding opposing teams to just 8-23 and 23 on third downs this season. That's a 23% rate. That is yeah. pretty good so far. Also something, the Rundy improved today. It did. Holding Josh Jacobs to just 66 yards and 96 total rushing yards overall for that entire team. Now, the Rundy started out really rough. And I actually wrote in my notebook at the game. This Rundy still an issue. First half, the Rundy was pretty suspect. However, I I guess I I don't know if there was a turning point. I didn't ever really notice it. It was just once the game ended in retrospect, as I was thinking about it, like oh, actually that got better. In the second half, the run defense got pretty stout. Now part of that was the Raiders were playing from behind and had to throw the ball a lot. I think Garrett Carr had fifty-ish attempts on the day, so that's part of it. But the run defense on the running plays that they did draw up was really stout in the second half. And so that was good to see, even with the limited personnel, that kind of returned to form. Moving on to the pass D, which also improved outside of named Terrence Mitchell. Mm. Besides Mac Collins having a career day today, the two bigger names on that pass on that receiving end of the Raiders offense, mm -hmm. Devontae Adams and Darren Waller were kept relatively quiet today. Devontae they Adams were only going for a reasonable five receptions for 36 yards and a touchdown. And then, of course, as we said, Darren Waller only going for three receptions for 22 yards. So it seems like it's taking a little bit of time, but they're getting it together as they get a couple of key guys back on that secondary. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's interesting because I, I guess I guess my, my primary thing is this defense has guys that are capable of shutting down a-listers okay Lonnie Johnson who was a late ad for the Titans in camp he played on on Darren Waller for the most part today I have to go back and watch the tape to confirm that but just every time I looked up it was it was him and Waller and he did a really fantastic job Darren Waller excuse me um Devontae Adams was shut down for the most part today by Christian Fulton who again he came back and he had a really great game Fulton is a star cornerback when he's healthy on his game. It's, it's plain and simple. We, we established that last year. We know that to be the case. He can hang with the best. Um, and, and so they have the guys to do this. They just have to be out there and they have to be healthy. And their depth is terrible. Let's talk about the AFC South, who through two weeks of the season had oh, a collective... the juggernaut AFC South, best division in the league AFC South? Yes, with a collective one win in the first two weeks. Today, they went three for three against the AFC West. <laughs> against the best division in football! Against the best division with the if Colts. If that's not the most NFL thing you've ever heard in your life, man, only in the NFL do you get an outcome like that. It's amazing. Exactly. With the Colts upsetting the Chiefs 20 to 17 in which really was not too exciting until like the last three minutes of that I game. Right. So I take it you watched a good bit of that game because I was at the Titans game covering it in the press box. I didn't get to watch it live and that's the biggest downside. But that's there's a handful of games each week that I'm excited to go back and watch the the cut up version of. And that's one that I cannot wait to go back and watch just to see what the heck happened. Because, of course, I'm following the scores and following the you know, the breaking news on Twitter and all of that. And it felt like a game where just the Chiefs led and controlled the game for most of the game. And correct me if I'm wrong, JT, but they just kept making dumb mistakes to let the Colts hang around. And the Colts made them pay for it at the very, very end. They really did. I mean, you can look at, there's a couple key plays I want to go back to. Of course, this is a, besides the point, rough fantasy day for, I'm assuming a lot of you, but main yeah. point for me in this, in this game, I have Michael Pittman on my team. And through, nobody cares about your fantasy. Team. I, I'm this just saying through, I, through three quarters, the <laughs> the Colts offense, their number one wide receiver had three receptions for four yards. 
Yeah. So it was a very frustrating day for the Colts. I mean, sure. there was even one play where they were trying to get it turned around here, and Jonathan Taylor was on fourth and one trying to get down the field, and they couldn't convert it because Jonathan Taylor tried to go over the top and just did not, was not able to get that play. And by that point, I was like, okay, this game's over. I'm feeling pretty good about my five and a half here. But then something, I mean, just happened. The Colts decided to wake up. They got, and it seems like through three weeks, the, and we'll probably talk about this throughout the week leading up to the Colts next week. Mm -hmm. It seems like Jonathan Taylor this year is starting extremely slow in these games. But for some reason in the fourth, maybe it's a, maybe it's the strategy of it all. Once the defenses are pretty worn down, they just get Jonathan Taylor going a little bit in that fourth quarter yep. and things start to click for them. Yep. Now, Absolutely. I think I did see a stat, although about Matt Ryan today, something also to watch especially in that game. Matt Ryan has, I think it was like four fumbles. Yes, through. yeah, it's four fumbles and two intercept or six interceptions. He has, I think he has 10 total turnovers through three weeks, I think. So not, not the greatest. No, that you lose a lot of games that way. And that's, you a, do. Big, that's a big deal. It's a big thing to watch for. The Titans for all their flaws so far this year have not been the turnover machine that they were at times last year and that's the easiest way to lose games is to become a team that just gifts the ball back to the other team if the titans go in and, and play a disciplined game in that aspect against this colts team there's a very good chance it seems that they'll get a couple of balls turned over and, and gifted to them and that's going to be a massive key to any victory yeah so the colts get back to their winning ways moving on jags pounding the Chargers, 36-10. to I mean, it was, this game was over by the second quarter, and you could really Never see it. Game. No. It really wasn't. I think Justin Herbert gave it his all to go play, but should he have been playing in this game? I don't think so. No. You could tell. Clearly not. That from the first three drives, he had three, he went three and outs. He had 22 yards through three drives there. Couldn't get the run game going either, and the Jags just found themselves in situations in the red zone where they started with th uh, two, I think two field goals, but then finally started getting Trevor Lawrence situated with his wide receivers and Christian Kirk and a couple other ones. I don't remember what the second one went to, but yeah, I think I saw someone saying on Twitter something that w in the fourth quarter with like three minutes left, uh, Brandon Staley still had uh, Justin Herbert in this game, which is kind of crazy to me. By that by that time, I think they're going to have to really assess the situation, at least for the Chargers' sake, and what they're going to do with Justin Herbert going forward because yes. it's it. I don't think this is sustainable, and I think they really need to look at the long term. But as for the Jags, they are first in the AFC South here. And, and JT, you can attest to this. I don't know if I've said it a ton on this podcast, but coming into the season, I've been very high on the Jaguars. We have a, a side thing with our friends that I won't bore you with. I had a lot of, um, not money, but pride riding on the Jaguars being pretty good this year. And so far, that looks pretty good. I think that this team is the primary competitor in the AFC South for the Titans. I think it's a two-horse race in this division maybe a third if the Colts get their act together. I'm not convinced that they, I think that the Chiefs lost today more than the Colts won. Again, I didn't watch it, so I'm, I'm going to go back and watch it. What I've been told is that the Chiefs kind of blew it. I think that it's Titans or Jags winning the division, but we'll see. We'll follow that closely, obviously. Definitely. And then, of course, the only AFC South team to not win today was, of course, the Texans losing to the Bears 23-20 in what was a last-second field goal. Both teams did not look too good although maybe because and hear me out both teams are not good at football that, that <laughs> could be true not good i will say damian pierce kind of a breakout day for him i don't know his exact Speaking of guys i got a lot of equity in i know uh, you know me I, huge damian I do. Pierce guy you guys want to know what a psychopath i am in our fantasy league of note which i know you don't care about but in the draft uh i drafted him first pick of the fourth round it was draft. it was and i was mocked a mind relentlessly blocker. for it it was the it was the talk of the town that evening in the draft it was the move of the day and it's going to pay off for me 
paid off today. He, he had a very good first kind of breakout day. I think that he's only going to get better. I think he's a rising star. Damian Pierce. Trade for him in your fantasy league. Downplay it. Trade for him. Get him. You'll thank me later. And then just talking about a couple stats around the league right here. Let's start with the rookie punter, Ryan Stonehouse of this the Titans. Wild. Yeah. Uh, Mike Herndon tweeted earlier today that Ryan Stonehouse came into today's game leading the NFL in punting average at 56.3 yards. And today he raised that average to over 57 yards per punt. And he, because he had 60.3 average today, including yeah, a 70 a yarder. yarder. Yeah, he had a 50-yarder, a couple 60-yarders, and a 70-yard bomb. Oh, and by the way, the NFL single-season record is 51.4. So through Which three is, games... He's six yards clear of that at the moment. He's looking to shatter that record. Now, we'll see if that holds up, but who knows? Talking he about, looks elite so far. He does. And yes, Brett Kern, he looks very good. God love him, Brett Kern. It's looking like they made the right choice to move on. Looking at a couple interesting and maybe just funny jaguar stats as well because the well, jaguars are just a funny team sure if they're good or bad they're, they're just a funny team they're just ja funny jacksonville is just the second team in the super bowl era to win consecutive games by 24 plus points as an underdog in both games that's and that's from espn stats wild so they were they were an underdog in two games in a row in which they murdered their opponents and blew them out of the water that's incredible the disrespect, man. AFC South getting disrespected. Best division in football. Also, I mean, that's the that's the math. By the way, Doug Peterson tied Urban Meyer today for fifth all time and most wins <laughs> by a Jaguars coach. Hey, clap it up for old Doug Peterson. Love beaten it. up on, beaten up on uh, poor Herb, who is somehow working for Fox now. Um, that's incredible <laughs> and hilarious because he has two wins now, which is how many that old Herb had, I suppose, if they are tied. So, uh, good for him. Good, good for, for him. him. <laughs> finishing for out, him. finishing out this new segment. Uh, if you just want a little pat on the back today, all you Titans fans, at least you're not the Raiders, who are currently the only 0 and 3 team in the league. Yeah. So the Texans are one of two winless teams than in the Raiders, but the Texans have a tie. They have a tie. They're our a little friendly, better. Our friendly neighborhood ponies up north. Um, yeah, the Raiders. I mean, they're in the boat that. We would have been covering the Titans if they'd blown that game today, which does not sound even remotely fun. I think they've got it. I mean, leave it up to the Raiders, man, to, to get Devontae Adams and get worse as a football team. I don't I don't know. I don't know. Not a Raiders show. I don't know. But brutal for the Raiders. All right. Is that it for today? That is. All right. That's JT with the news. All right. Before we go on this Monday. Got overreaction Monday segment because it is, in fact, you know, it's not only just a victory Monday. It's an overreaction Monday because every Monday during the NFL year is an overreaction Monday. And we have some things that we want to uh, react to, maybe overreact to from the NFL, specifically the Titans this week. We asked you on Twitter after the game what your thoughts were from the game, what the game made you feel about the Titans that maybe you didn't feel before the game just your general perception of this team after their first win. And you guys answered. And uh, we want to we want to take your reactions. And this is welcome to Reaction Court because we are going to deem them <laughs> naughty or nice. We are going to deem them overreactions or based. So, uh, JT, let's get into our overreaction Monday. Innocent of just being a fleeting thought or guilty of being way in there over their head about yes, the reaction. Exactly. Right, we'll get into some of these here. Basically, I'm going to, I handpicked a couple of these and I just want you to give your gut reaction of what you think about it after right, today. I'm not ready. I've not, win. I've not read these. I've not heard these. JT has picked these. So the, this is my, this is my real reaction. All righty. Let's go. Starting off with, uh, one from at Mahogany Woods. What is the deal with second half offense? I saw a stat that said we've been outscored 57 to 7 in the second half this year. Is it just being too conservative or is there a bigger issue? And yes, you would be correct, Mahogany. They have been outscored 57 to 7 in the second half, including, I think, 12 0 today. Mm -hmm. 12 to nothing today. So the deal, Mahogany Woods, with the second half offense. 
is that they've been outscored 57 to 7 in the second half and it's not been good now we talked about this a good bit already in the show but it's really it's it's a handful of things but the big things are they're not making adjustments the other team is and and they're not able to identify those adjustments and react to them with their own adjustments clearly we asked Vrabel about this today in his post-game press conference and he talked about how their team gave them some looks that were different that they weren't ready for and had a hard time adjusting to I mean that's it's really it's that plain and simple it's out there in the open it's being admitted to by the head coach of the team so they're struggling to adjust and they're getting like you said far too conservative I think you nailed it on the head Especially today, you saw just how conservative that play calling was when they are up. This team, again, still very bad at being a front runner. They get conservative and they allow teams to come back and make it far too tight. Speaking of that, moving on to one from at scary if literal. Looks an awful lot like we're getting out coached in the second half. Everything flipped 180 at halftime. What adjustments are we making and which ones should we be making? Uh, scary if literal. The answer is that they're not making adjustments. And the adjustments that they should be making are literally anything. The, the point is they're continuing to try to do the same thing in the second half. And the other team is adjusting to, to better defend or better capitalize whether they're on offense or defense on what the titans are doing that's how football games work it's a game it's a back and forth game it's a tug of war it's about who can out out coach and outplay each other but on the coaching front it's about who can identify what the other is doing clue in the key into the their patterns get a clue as to what their philosophy is what their game plan is what what their um what their goals are and best situate their team to counteract those things titans are good in game planning during the week looking at their opponent and deciding what they're probably going to come out of the gate and do as evidenced by their success out of the gate they're very good at starting at the baseline with a winning strategy however they've not demonstrated their ability to adjust in any capacity in the later part of the game in the second half of the game they continue to get out coached yes out adjusted yes and it's a real problem next up on the block here we have one from at love you blue 77 mm. saying the effort gives me hope the injuries don't two years in a row we have the walking wounded i also don't get wounded. i also don't get how bad farley must be when mitchell walks in the door and starts immediately uh with you entirely love you blue we talked about this farley not that he must be so bad, but the coaching staff must be so down on him. So he must, he must be down so bad with this coaching staff that it's incomprehensible that they saw Terrence Mitchell come through the door and say, that's our guy this week. Not, not this guy that we drafted in the first round just a year ago. It's mind boggling. It's stupid. It's awful. It is both wrong for them to have looked at the situation and said that. And also mortifying if you're a Titans fan that they looked at it and came to that conclusion because that conclusion requires them to be just so down on Caleb Farley. Now the first thing, what was the first thing that he said or she said? Uh, it said the effort gives me hope, but the injuries sure. don't. Yeah, right. So uh, the injuries don't, the walking wounded. That's right. Um, yeah, the Titans, like I said, that's a situation with the injuries now all of last year and into this year. There are discussions to be had about whether the process needs to be reevaluated, re whether the training staff needs to be like, oh, we, we've gotten into this before we got into it last year. It's a serious problem. It, it's very hard to believe at this point that the Titans are just this unlucky when it comes to their injuries. Maybe it's the case. It's certainly possible. We don't know for sure, but the odds of that being the case and it just being a luck factor, very low. The, the positives are, like you said, the ability to to put together two good drives, three good drives in a row, actually, is really, really uh, encouraging for the Titans. And I think it ultimately is something that if they can continue to capitalize on down the road, they'll, like I said, be a real contender in the AFC. So that is encouraging. At Andrew Hamrick 16 says, still think we can win the AFC South, but we have to be able to consistently close out games and not go to sleep in the second half or get too conservative. Big couple games coming up to get over 500. 
Uh, yes, I I concur with everything that Andrew said. Next. <laughs> Good job, Andrew. I like at, your analysis. At Texas Sport 1015 has a couple points. Okay. Felt, mu- felt like a much better diversity of run-to-play action pass today. The offensive line held up better in run and pass blocking than feared. And the pass rush feels like it needs a veteran signing. Feels too feels toothless too often. Okay, so this is Kenneth, I believe, who Kenneth is uh, often somebody that I interact with on Twitter. Kenneth is a big supporter of Broadway Sports Media. We love you, Kenneth. Uh, he's three points there. Yes, yes, and no. Or in other words, good point, good point, dumb point. So, the, the, <laughs> so two out of three, Kenneth. The first one, what was the first point again? Remind me. Better diversity of run to play action. Yes, absolutely. Agree wholeheartedly. Mentioned it in my monologue. They did a good job with the, especially in that first half. The diversity of the play calling, the um, the the impredictability of the play calling, much improved. What was the second point? Offensive line held up much better today than feared. It did. It did, Kenneth. I was I was encouraged by this. Um, I, I thought again the standout. Just watching it in line is something that really like I have a hard time keying in on during the game. I I need to go back and watch the film tomorrow and watch individual guys. But NPF is the guy that stood out to me once again. I think that he's a bona fide stud in the making for the Titans. I think they got a steal with finally finding their right tackle of the future. I think that he's going to be a star. And that's maybe a longer discussion for another podcast. But he's really, really great. Um, and is going to just keep getting better. The rest of the line, again, I think that the coaching staff, and this is props to them, did a good job of making the offensive line's job today as easy as possible. And that's a credit to them. But the, the offensive line, for the most part, did what they were asked to do. So that's encouraging. Your third point, which was thinking they need a veteran signing. It's a dumb point, primarily because there's nobody out there. I mean, if your point is for next season, then that's fine. We can have that discussion, you know, going into next season. But the point is right now, like if there's somebody out there, we could have that discussion. There's not. Um, And so not only do I think that that's not really feasible based on the available guys, I also just don't agree necessarily with the fact that this this pass rush needs outside help just yet. We saw in the first game of the year against the Giants what this pass rush is still capable of. When they've got all of their guys on the defense in there, you know, Sons Landry, who we know is out for the year, they are really effective. You saw what Rashad Weaver is capable of today. Had a really, really great day. You saw how much not having Bud Dupree hurts you today. Because everybody at the outside linebacker position besides Rashad Weaver was really bad today. So once Bud is back and healthy, which is an if, not necessarily a when, those two guys combined with Simmons and Autry up the middle are going to continue to wreak havoc like this team did last year. I don't think it's time just yet to freak out about the pass rush needing help. I think they just need to get healthy. One more, and we'll finish out this segment here from Cortland858. They say, this is a Super Bowl team. It'll all come together for them at some point this season. (laughs) Cortland858, I deeply admire your optimism. I love it. Um, That's my favorite response. I'm not going to indicate whether or not I agree with you, but... I can't say for sure that you're wrong because it is a very long season and teams that get hot in November and December are the teams that do well in the playoffs. And sometimes the teams that get hot later in the season look really bad at the beginning of the season. So it's possible. It's hard to see that necessarily being the case, but it's not impossible to see that being the case. I love your relentless optimism and I'm happy to just roll with it for now. Is that our last comment? That is. Okay, so that's the end of our Overreaction Monday segment. If you enjoyed that, let us know about it on Twitter. Next time we post one of those, uh, give us your response, and we'll we'll read it out and shout you out on the show. If you hated it, then I guess you can tell us too. Feedback is a gift. Um, and I'll use that as a transition to 
our outro, which do not go away just yet. There's a couple of things I need you to know. First of all, if you're not subscribed, what, I don't, what do you, anyways, subscribe. If you are not subscribed to broadwaysportsmedia.com, if you are not a Broadway insider, I don't know what, again, like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Become a Broadway insider. There are so many great things. Not only does it keep the lights on for us, we're not asking for much at Broadway Sports Media. We're asking for you to skip one trip to Starbucks a month or just or just go ahead and pay $49.99 right now, which is the deal for the annual, and just be done with it and have all of the great content for the year and not have, not have to touch it again. That's what you really should do. But if you want the monthly just for the football season, $0.99 cents for your first month, six ninety nine every month after that. One trip to Starbucks is all it is. Cup, cup of coffee these days, okay? With inflation, maybe a half a cup of coffee. I don't know, okay? So it's not that much money. Really, it's not. And we're not adjusting for inflation. That's the base rate, baby. $6.99 a month. And you get some great things. I'm not even going to detail all the great things you get. Go over to the site. Go to membership. Go to Broadway Insider. And see, there's a laundry list that somebody, me, typed up for you when we launched that is all the awesome things, okay? So go and do that, okay? Trust me, you'll appreciate it. We will definitely appreciate it. Thank you in advance, because I know that's what you're going to do right now. If you haven't left a five-star review on our podcast, listen, this is my plea for, from my heart to, to your ears and hopefully to your heart as well. Every show you've ever listened to asks you to leave a five-star review. I know because I listen to a lot of podcasts, and you know what I do when they ask? I think, oh, that's nice, and then I don't go do it. Because I'm like everybody else. I get it. However, if you were to ever leave a five-star review, if, you, if you'd be so kind as to let us take your five-star review virginity on Apple Podcasts, we would be delighted to do that. And it would make it would mean so much more to us. The 10 seconds that it takes you to... How quickly do you think you could leave a five-star review, JT? 15 seconds? I can do it. Probably four. Try four, to beat me. four seconds. Try to beat me. Try to beat me. Of your life. Try yeah. to beat JT. Try to do it in under four. Ready, set, go. Are you done? Then you beat JT. Yeah. Congrats. So so go and do that. Leave a, write something in the review, whatever you want. Make it real feedback. Make it a joke. Make it uh, tell us about your pet fish. I don't care. Okay? But, but leave it for us. We'll read it on the show, whatever it is. I promise. We will. I'm checking. Okay? We will read it on. We'll read it on there, JT. Leave your leave your five star reviews. We didn't talk about this. Leave your five star review, and we'll read these off next uh, next episode. If you leave a five star review, I can guarantee, and you leave it, and you give us your opinion on the butt punt today, I guarantee we'll read it <laughs> off for you. Yes, yes, the butt punt in the uh, Dolphins Bills game. So leave a five star review again. It takes ten seconds, and genuinely, it, it matters a ton to us far more than it does to you. If you enjoyed the show on a regular basis, I'm so glad that you do. Do this one thing for us, and I'll I'll be very thankful. Also, later this week, we've got great stuff on BroadwaySportsMedia.com and the Broadway Sports Media Podcast Network. We've got the Football and Other F-Words show coming out every Wednesday. Great stuff. Zach Lyons, Mike Herndon. Can't beat it. Except maybe you could beat it if you kick Zach out of there and make it just Mike Herndon and call it the Mike Herndon Show on Thursday nights. Executive produced and sort of co-host by yours truly. We get into all of the stuff that Mike Herndon does best and the reason that makes him the, the, the one of the best, maybe not the best, but among the best, arguably the best, doing this Titans media thing in Nashville. We get into all of the numbers, all of the unique perspective that he offers. It's fantastic, and you can only get it if you're a Broadway Sports Media insider, which is worth the price of admission alone. We've also got victory, uh, Second and Victory, which is on Thursdays. We've got um, Music City Audible, which comes out twice a week coming out uh, Monday night, later tonight, if you're listening on Monday, and then Thursday mornings, and then our show again on Friday mornings. And then this week, I've, I've said this a couple of times, we, we've had issues with it, but this week, we really are starting the best of Broadway, which is going to be fantastic on Saturdays. It's going to be your wrap-up for the week. It's it, You're going to really like it. It's going to be a great resource for you. So all of those things, consume all of them. If you're a big podcast listener, we're doing so much for you that genuinely you could just... You could you could survive on a diet subsisting of just Broadway Sports Media content. And I called the Surgeon General of the United States, and he said that that's highly recommended and adds years to your life. So go and do that. Subscribe to BroadwaySportsMedia.com. Subscribe to this show. That's all I have. JT, I'm Easton for JT. We will uh, we'll talk to you on Friday. Have a good week.
what a chaotic show. 